Hello, my name is Micah Willis, and this is the first episode of the Love of Hoops podcast. This is going to be probably a weekly or bi-weekly, is that the right word? Bi-weekly podcast. It's not going to be very professional. You can probably tell by the audio quality of this first episode, which I swear will get better. Still working on what microphone to use. But basically, I'm just doing this podcast because I love basketball, and I needed something to do with my free time, which I don't really have that much of, but it's enough to be worrying. As I said, I'm Micah Willis. I'm a senior at Jefferson Forest High School in Central Virginia Governor's School, and I kind of fell in love with basketball during COVID when there wasn't a lot for me to really focus on to get my mind off of everything. And basketball be kind of kind of became that for me. But yeah, so today I'm just that short introduction. I'm just going to talk about the Donovan Mitchell trade. This was probably, in my opinion, one of the most controversial trades of the entire summer, and it completely changes the game. I mean, the Rudy Gobert trade was one thing, but this Donovan Mitchell trade was another thing. Basically, what I'm going to do is I'm going to go through and I'm going to compare this big trade with two other big trades, the Gobert trade and the DeJounte Murray trade, and just see if they got their money's worth for him. I'm also going to talk a little bit about the fit. That's definitely going to be more of a wait and see kind of thing. Um, so the first week I'm definitely going to be watching a lot of Cavs as well as my good old Atlanta Hawks. But first off, Mitchell played 67 games last year. He had an average of almost 26 points. He had four rebounds, five assists, 35% from three point, 53% from the floor, and averaged about three turnovers. Now that is not a good assist to turnover ratio, but you're not really looking for playmaking with him you're just looking for a dynamic score now Mitchell had a slight dip in points about 0.5 points less which shouldn't be too much of a problem but it is weird to see a young player even slightly regress he had a slight dip in three-point percentage kind of took him from that upper echelon to that kind of above average he went from 38% to about 35%, though he did increase his field goal percentage by about 6% this past year. He increased his steals per game by about 0.5, which everyone seems to lean a little too heavily on, but they don't realize he averaged 1.5 steals his rookie season when he played a, well, about as much, slight, slightly less. He had a lot less of a prominent role then, so it is kind of not as good when you're just going back to what you used to have, but he averaged about 3.5 threes made per game um, with 9.8 attempted, which that's that's one more three per game attempted than last year, which could explain the efficiency drop but it's still not good because that's the second lowest his three-point percentage has been since his rookie year. It's still it's still good, but it's not what we're looking for. 
The 53% is two-point percentage. I, I think I said it was field goal percentage earlier. That was a 6% increase in two-point percentage, but a 1% increase in field goal percentage. He, aver he averaged about four, 45% from the floor. He's an above-average rebounder, so that's a plus when you have a guard that can rebound. I definitely think that they paid a little bit too much for this guy. Looking back, I mean, they paid Lowry Markkinen, O'Shea Ogbaji, and Colin Sexton, as well as three unprotected first-rounders in 2025, 27, and 29, and two unprotected pick swaps, 2026 and 2028. That's five years' worth of picks. A great future player, O'Shea Ogbaji, who was one of my favorites in the draft. I really enjoyed watching him in college. Uh, and Colin Sexton, I mean... I don't think I have to say anything about him. He's just also a dynamic scorer. Um, but Lowry Markkinen was the one that confused me. You already know that the Jazz were not asking specifically for Lowry Markkinen. There's not a lot of, not a lot better he can get than he already is. And a rebuilding team doesn't really need a guy like Lowry Markkinen. While a team like the Cavs could really use Lowry Markkinen. I would have liked to see this trade without Lowry Markkinen and plug in Karis LeVert because Karis LeVert is kind of redundant when you have a guy like Donovan Mitchell. So comparing it to other trades, the Rudy Gobert trade was very similar in what they gave up. So Gobert trade was Malik Beasley, Patrick Beverly, Walker Kessler, which was the 22nd pick. Um, in this past draft, Jared Vanderbilt and kind of a throw in of Leandro Balmaro. I think he was just to make the salaries match. Um, he's not really a factor in this. Uh, I don't know much about him, but I do know Malik Beasley, a great offensive player, Patrick Beverly, a great defensive and offensive player, Walker Kessler, a defensive stalwart absolute crazy shot blocker and Jared Vanderbilt is a starter on a championship caliber team he is a great defender great offensive rebounder he's basically a zero on the offensive side of the floor although he does give some matchup problems because sometimes they play him at the three and threes kind of have trouble matching up with Vanderbilt because he's just so aggressive. He can dunk, so he is a bit of a lob threat, but really what you're looking at is his rebounding and defensive ability. I think that, I mean, I'm going to say Gobert is not worth all of that. Uh, Patrick Beverly, okay, so Patrick, Patrick Beverly was kind of just flipped for Talon Horton Tucker, who is a very good, well, I mean, he, he's kind of inconsistent, but he'll be good in the future. He's a good young piece, um, and Patrick Beverly's kind of old, so the fact that he was able to be flipped for a young guy like that shows that his value is high. Walker Kessler, in my opinion, top five defensive players in this draft. Uh, he's just a great, great player. That is a lot. Three unprotected firsts in 2023, 2025, 2027, and one pick swap, as well as one 
2029 protected first. That in of itself is a lot. And even compared to that, I still feel like the Donovan Mitchell trade was a lot. I mean, you're giving up basically, in my eyes, four unprotected firsts if you're looking at Oshay Agbaji, a all-star in Colin Sexton, future all-star, and a rotational player in Lowry Markinen, one that had fit perfectly into their system before where they had the three big lineup with Lowry, Mobley, and Jared Allen. It was a great great lineup. It kind of set up some matchup problems where it's like one, uh, three through five, the center and the power forward would have to kind of float around the three guys, causing a lot of issues. So it was kind of pick your poison, even either let one of those guys kind of cook a smaller person or worry about rotations. And some some teams were able to adapt, but it really created some problems, kind of like the uh, six seven through six nine lineup that the Raptors have, where everyone is just so big with such long arms that it created some really big matchup problems. Another thing is that Colin Sexton, we don't really know where he's at right now. He was hurt for so long. Um, I th- I still think that he's a future all-star, as I said before. So that gives him a lot of worth, but it does take a little bit back from the fact that he was hurt. But overall, that's a lot. But I, I the reasoning behind them trading for Mitchell is he's young, he's explosive, and he brings the offensive element that they were missing last year. They tried to kind of fill that role with Karis LeVert, but Karis LeVert is not that guy. He's he's not that guy. He's good. Um, he's definitely top. He he can be a six seven man on a team, maybe a starter in a in a vacuum. But I I really I don't I don't. I, I don't think that Karis LeVert would ever have fulfilled that role, even even in his peak. But what they're what they're hoping and betting on is a lineup of point guard Darius Garland, shooting guard Donovan Mitchell, small forwards kinda up in the air, maybe Karis LeVert. I think that they should have Coro slide into that role because he's a great defender. Um and that would make Basically, the entire offense, Darius Garland and Donovan Mitchell and a little bit of Mobley, maybe some lob threat from Jarrett Allen. And I think that I think that Okoro has that shooting touch that's going to develop into maybe a 35% shooter, and that could really help them out as well. So what they're, they're betting on is a two-man offense, three-man defense, where Darius Garland and Donovan Mitchell are really sharing that load offensively, but since they're such small guards, they have a perimeter defender and Isaac Okorio and those two amazing interior defenders in my pick for Rookie of the Year, Evan Mobley, 
uh, he definitely was he was robbed. And one of the best centers in the league in Jared Allen. And yes, I said that he is one of the best centers in the league. That is not up for debate. He is what Capella was last year with slightly worse rebounding. He's definitely better than Capella was this last year, but Capella was hurt, so we gotta give him we gotta give him some leeway. What they're really hoping on is that everyone on the floor is gonna be able to stick to what they're good at. And I see it. I, I see how that's gonna work. I am a little bit concerned though that perimeter defense wise, I'm not quite sure how that's gonna stack up. Um they don't really have any crazy point of attack defenders. Yeah, they, they really they really don't. But uh what they're hoping is, is that they can stick to what they're best at. The the defense is gonna be rough, sadly. But interior wise, it could be one of the best in the league. They're just hoping that what they're lacking in perimeter defense they're gonna be make up making up for in interior defense. And also I was thinking Seti Osman could also fit into that small forward role. Although I don't like the fit of Seti Osman in there because I just don't think Seti Osman is good enough of an offensive player to make up for his lack of defense. Kevin Love is kind of like a power forward Seti Osman or Seti Osman's more of a small forward Kevin Love. They're very similar uh, Kevin Love is basically a zero defensively. He was at one point a pretty good defender, but what you want from him is to shoot some threes, make some post moves, and give you that scoring off the bench, as well as Seti Osman, that's his role as well. But uh, I'm interested to see what they're going to do with their guards, because, might I remind you, they have, let's look at this, they have a Darius Garland, Donovan Mitchell, Karis Liver. Ricky Rubio, Raul Nato, and Isaac Okoro, who Isaac Okoro is kind of a shooting guard slash small forward. And and all of those guys are rotational players. Raul Nito is the only guy out of that list that I think, like, if he didn't play, you wouldn't be sad. Ricky Rubio had some great showing last year. He looked like he was... Him and him and Kevin Love looked like they were going to be two of the best off-the-bench players in the league. And then he, of course, got hurt. So we didn't get to quite see how that worked out. But I was really high on them. I think that the Cleveland Cavaliers are looking at being maybe a 6-7 seed. Um, I think they are going to be right around the Atlanta Hawks. Because, uh, I don't know. I, I think that the fit, I think that the, the, the ceiling for the Hawks is a lot higher for the ceiling of the Cavaliers, but the floor of the Hawks is a lot lower th of, than the floor of the Cavaliers. So we'll have to see. I'm really excited for the Eastern Conference, just to see how that stacks up. But speaking of the Atlanta Hawks, Mitchell trade compared to the Murray trade. The Murray trade was Danilo Gallinari and two unprotected firsts and one protected, as well as a pick swap. I think Murray is almost as good as Mitchell. Uh, Mitchell's 26 points, 4 rebounds, 5 assists. You're losing, what, 5 points with Murray, but you're gaining 4 more rebounds and 5 more assists. 
you're getting slight, uh, pretty much a good amount worse three-point shooting, but less turnovers, about the same field goal percentage. No, better field goal percentage. You're also getting so much better defense from Murray. Murray is definitely a point-of-attack defender, which Mitchell is... Let's just say he's offensive-minded. He, there were many times when I was very disappointed with him this past season where you could just look at him and think, man, this kid doesn't even care. I mean, his, his defense is lacking at best. There are many times when you'd see players like Bogdan Bogdanovich and Trey Burke <laughs> driving right past a all-star absolutely owning him and just looking at his defense you would never think that he's an all-star but he very clearly is an all-star so if he can step up that defensive game I think I'll be a lot happier with this trade but I really I I don't feel like it was warranted how much they gave up but now let me just say me saying that doesn't mean that this trade was 100% bad. I respect a team that will take all their chips and move them into the middle. Just absolutely go in for it. But with how competitive the East Conference is right now, is this couple of years of Mitchell going to be worth it? I mean, you're going to have to go up against the 76ers, Kevin Durant and the Nets with Kyrie and Ben. I mean, you've got two of the most problematic dudes in the league, but they're both good, and that is a scary team. You have the Bucks. I mean, the Hornets are there. The Hornets are probably worse than they were last year after, you know, a certain man did a certain bad thing. But I, I, I could see them beating the Nets. I could see them beating the Nets. Um... I can see them beating the Atlanta Hawks, sadly. Okay, so they have the Bucks, the Bulls, the the conference champion Celtics. They have the Nets, the Miami Heat, who are definitely a factor, the 76ers. They've got all these teams that they have to get through in the Eastern Conference when the Western Conference isn't looking that good. So it's 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 almost like... It, it's really, really risky. I would be, I would be pretty concerned if I was a Cavaliers fan. Now that being said, this may entirely change if I see one week of them playing. I mean, it might, it might take one week of me just seeing how it's gonna work with Donovan Mitchell. And also, I would I would say not to get too too high on them, even if it ends up being really good. Because as we know, Donovan Mitchell is not the greatest playoffs player. We've seen him in the Jazz kind of choke quite a few times, be absolutely amazing in the regular season, but not good in the postseason. Yeah, I'm just overall kind of low on this whole entire trade. I really, I just don't see how it works. This week, I'm going to go through with my 1 through 15, 
my rankings for the Eastern Conference. And I already know there's going to be some angry people. But, yeah. If anyone listens to this, of course. So, number one, I have the Boston Celtics. Of course, they are Eastern Conference champions. They also have gotten nothing but better by adding Gallinari to their stagnant offense, as well as Brogdon. Of the Bucks at number two, Giannis. Giannis, yeah, Giannis. Number three, we have the Heat. I feel like I might have put them a little bit high. Heat are anywhere three through six, honestly. Heat could be really good this season or really bad. I have no idea. They're a little bit old over there, so we'll see. Then we have the Nets at number four. And I think I might have also put them a little bit high. But I just, I I love Kevin Durant. I'm sorry. Not as a person. I love his game. They're number four. Number five. I have the 76ers with the, no, I was going to say it should have been MVP, but Jokic was definitely the MVP. Joel, better luck this next year. I would love to see you get an MVP at some point. Uh, Sorry my Hawks beat the crap out of you that one year. That was sad for you guys. Speaking of the Hawks, number six is the Hawks. Um, This is super, super opinionated, and I love the Hawks, and I love what they did. I think this Murray thing could really work. Could also really not work, so... Yeah. Seven, I have the good old Cavs, who I've been talking about today. Uh, I told you they've got really high ceiling, not a very low floor, so I have them at seven. I have the Bulls at eight. I do not think they're going to have quite as good of a season this year with the amount of injuries that they keep having, as well as your good old DeMar DeRozan. And I mean it when I say good old. That man is ancient. And somehow he was better than he ever was last season. Don't know how. Don't ask me. Number nine, I have the Raptors. I am not very high on the Raptors right now. Uh, They would be my pick to win the Eastern Conference Finals if they had gotten Durant. I, I think that that would make them the top three best teams in the league if they had Durant. Well, Durant makes a team top eight by its, by himself. At number 10, I have the Wizards. At number 11, I have the Knicks. Number 12, I have the Hornets. 13, the Pacers. 14, the Pistons. And 15, the Magic. Uh, I decided to put Pistons ahead of Magic because I really am looking forward to Cade, Ivy, and Duran all on the floor at the same time, I think that that could be highly effective. Uh, I'm really, I'm, I'm genuinely looking forward to that. I'm not, I've never been a big Cade fan. Uh, he was like number four for me in rookie of the year last year. But Ivy is just such an explosive player. And I think he's going to compliment Cade perfectly if Cade can just figure out his shooting. So, yep, that's it for today. I will see you in a week or so uh, with my Western Conference picks. 
as well as some news. I might. I'm not quite sure what I'm going to do. I'm going to have to figure that out. I might just go through. I might just go through what the rookies are looking like. Because training camp. Training camp will have started by then, I think. If not, I'll do it the following week. Or the week after. Whenever training camp starts, um, I'm going to watch some of the footage. Um, and say which rookies I think are looking good in training camp. And yeah, that's all. Thank you. If anyone ever listens to this, thank you very much. It means a lot.